0: Support for Boston Public Radio comes from New England Recovery Center, providing inpatient addiction treatment in state-of-the-art facilities located in Westboro, Mass. All major insurance plans accepted. Learn more at newenglandrecoverycenter.org.
1: Welcome back to Boston Public Radio, Jim Broding, Modrigan. We're joined now by food policy writer Corby Comer. Corby's an executive director of the Food and Society Policy Program at the Aspen Institute, senior editor at The Atlantic, and a senior lecturer at the Tufts Friedman School of Nutrition, Science, and Policy. Hello, Corby Comer.
0: Good afternoon.
1: And to you.
2: Hello, Corby Comer. Well, apparently because of this uh, uh, new series on TV, The Bear, we talked to one of its stars last week, uh, Italian beef is all the rage What is Italian beef, please, Corby Kummer?
0: So it's not so, you know, I just think of Buzzy's roast beef and French dip sandwiches, and it's not all that different. It's uh, thin sliced beef with jardiniera, which, as you all know, are vinegar pickled and preserved vegetables that often you will see in a wonderful North End restaurant in a giant glass jar that looks like a vase, beautifully layered. With red peppers, carrots, cabbage, so there's all uh, manner of colors, and it generally stays there for years on end. And you <laughs> hope they aren't serving you that jargoniera. <laughs> but you know you can get it in the supermarket. So it's a it's a series of pickled vegetables, and it often has a special sauce with it. And they dip it with beef juices, uh, dipped, dunked, and baptized in beef juices, according to a native Chicagoan who's the founder of. Juicy Beef. So Chicago is raising its national profile, and so is Italian beef.
1: And by the way, they're saying in the story we read that a lot of restaurants around the country that uh, serve these Italian beef sandwiches, the numbers are exploding. It's, a fact, changing their business, whatever. But uh, one of our uh, colleagues uh, checked because I don't know of a restaurant that serves an Italian beef sandwich like that. In Greater Boston, the only one we could find in Natick uh, was in Natick, and we're hoping, someplace called Culinary Delights European Sub Shop, uh, whatever, that was on Reddit or something. But uh, if people could text us while we're talking to Corby at 877-301-8970. If you know of a place in Greater Boston that serves an Italian beef sandwich with, what's that word again? How do you pronounce giard?
0: Giardiniera.
1: Giardiniera, whatever. If you yeah, the word for garden whatever if you, you know, know such a place text us at 877-301-8970
2: you know i i forgot if we talked about this with corby already but um i'm wondering because the Bears become kind of a hit on tv what your friends in the restaurant business are saying about this show did we already ask you that i, I think we, we did. did
1: yes Can, well did we're we? asking again did we i can't remember i don't did remember we, we didn't talk to you about this
0: what they're saying, the idea of the workplace is accurate, and I really liked Saro Jaramayan's uh, op-ed in the New York Times saying
1: yes, it's
0: stress, it's pressure. That rings a that rings a bell and strikes a chord with people who've ever worked in kitchens. Okay, fair all right. enough.
1: Okay, so uh, speaking of meat, which I love doing, uh, apparently the Inflation Reduction Act, which we've been celebrating on the show, we all, it, it's mandatory. Say imperfect, of course. Is One of the areas of imperfection is apparently, as you have taught us, that the production of meat for us to eat is a huge part of the uh, uh, greenhouse gas problem, uh, depending on which end of the cow you're talking about, of course, which we're not going to debate with you today. Uh, and apparently the Inflation Reduction Act, which was passed by the House on Friday, I think, Thursday, Friday, is on its way to the president, uh, uh, totally ignores the contribution of meat production to our environmental problems one is that accurate and two does that mean that the agriculture industry is even more powerful than the fossil fuel industry
0: that's a little provocative isn't it you know it doesn't really totally ignore the emissions it just doesn't address beef and yes indeed tyson foods apparently spends more uh in the percentage of its budget (laughs) for lobbying than most huge corporations although what that uh is in gross amounts of dollars i don't know but yes lobbying is huge and congress is not going to address beef production so i don't think that it totally ignores it but what it does do is uh increase the money for improving soil health reducing water contamination and protecting pollinators and native plants. That might seem wishy-washy and namby-pamby compared to axing beef production, which a lot of plant-based protein companies and supporters would like to see Congress do. They're never going to do it. The USDA under Tom Vilsack, under his third stint there, has been really pretty active in trying to Uh, produce this climate-smart agriculture and farming practices. Lots of people say it's not as smart as it could be. What does smart mean? But I think it is smart, and that means improved soil health, which is, you know, the amount of farming that pays absolutely no attention and rapes soil and does nothing to increase its productivity and, you know, turn it into a dust bowl. Um, You have to regenerate soil. That's what regenerative farming uh, means it's improving the soil, water contamination. Uh, if that means putting a cap on Iowa pig farms and North Carolina pig farms that have enormous manure lagoons that are generally blowing and spraying manure directly on the oh. lawn, often farmers of color who were the only people they were priced out of all land aside from what's around these huge manure pits. You know, I'm in favor of that. I don't think Congress is going to attack beef and beef is the greatest greenhouse gas emitter of agricultural production
2: remember during the pandemic how they managed to keep open all these beef places i figured that was a lobbying thing too remember-
0: oh, yes. oh yeah the essential workers and the uh, u.s food and meat supply was going to be drastically endangered and they convinced Trump of this. And, of course, they just made record profits and exported plenty to China.
1: By the way, that connection was proven, was it not? The Trump administration yeah. and the— yeah. By the way, uh, I don't even know what Gold Bellies is. Do either of you? Uh, someone no, texted and I said—
0: t- We've talked about Gold Bellies. Oh, of course I know what it is. Of New York cheesecake. Oops. And Oops. now it could be, you know, a favorite comparative pastrami sandwich. It's a very expensive overnight delivery service. For fancy foods in other cities that you're hankering to try, but you don't want to travel to.
1: Well, so one texter says you can order the Italian beef sandwich from Goldbelly's, And Randy, writing from Chicago, I think, says, don't forget to say that the Italian beef sandwich is charmingly described as, quote, dragged through the garden as top with the, whatever that word is. And you don't pronounce, says Randy, the final A for whatever
2: well i know randy is she's a professor so i think she knows what she's talking about. you know about. her i do oh. yes i do she's oh. a big fan of our show jim she is yes she's great here's okay.
0: here's the whole thing if you go to local sub shops or yeah. grinder shops yeah. and yeah. you say you know i want that pickled vegetable mix i think you're gonna find it and Excellent you can part. phony up a an italian beef and go home and say you just had one locally
2: well, I was very pleased to read about something else. The uh, not that the restaurant was closing after a hundred years, yeah. But, but the, the the chop suey sandwich because they mentioned my hometown, the famous Fall River Chow Mein sandwich, which I've had many of. Have you really? Yes, absolutely. They're very, very popular. The crunchy, crispy noodles and and, and, and gravy. I we had didn't a million of them. But but this is something different. It's the chop suey sandwich from uh,
1: the it's Salem the low restaurant. Oh, it's the restaurant. chop suey sandwich. Yeah.
2: Yes, at the, May Low, uh, the Salem Low restaurant. And uh, apparently it's famous up on the North Shore, but it's shutting down after 100 years.
0: You know, what I love, this is a piece by Luke Piensen in the Boston Globe that is absolutely charming. And he goes and he has one of the last savory, saucy bean sprout sandwich, barely contained by a modest hamburger bun. And when you look at the pictures, because there are lots of pictures of this um, chop suey breading out of what looks like a very standard uh, puffy hamburger bun. He tried to eat it like a taco, folding up the bread so it wouldn't spill out too much. But I just want to go out and find a chop suey and a hamburger roll in a supermarket <sighs> and make it for myself because I can just imagine it soaking into the bread way. Yeah. The Italian beef sandwich that Jim will be way overpaying for from Gold Belly is going to have those juices that spread into the bun and making a real mess when you eat it. But what Luke Penson's piece does is say, this was really tied to place. People associated this with Salem, with their Aunt Bobby, as he had, who would introduce them to Chinese, really Chinese-American food on Sunday nights. It's a part of their lives and a part of their childhood. And this attachment to place, the way your Fall River chow mein
2: sandwich
0: is something from your childhood. So they're going and reliving this. Apparently, there are other... Chop Suey Sandwiches in Salem, they're just not Lowe's, which was the authoritative version.
1: Uh, several things. First of all, I'm not ordering from Gold Bellies. I'm ordering from Patrillo's because this person just texted and said, every Christmas my brother from Chicago sends an Italian beef kit from Petrillo's. It's our New Year's Eve tradition. That's number one. Number two... Guess how much the chop suey sandwich cost at Salem Lowe's? Either of you know? Would it have been $1.85? $2.94. Is there a sandwich in America? And thirdly, the saddest part of the story I can't remember, I think I spoke to Jamie about this, our coworker, this morning. After 100 years, why are they closing? And the answer is because the guy who owns the place is retiring. And if you say to yourself, if the place is such a legend in Salem, why are they not selling the place? to somebody to keep the uh, the legend alive. So if anybody knows the answer to that, now I have two questions you can text us about at 877 301 8978 Neither of you have ever been to this place. No, have you in Salem? No, I've not been to this place in Salem. I've been
0: to Salem many times, but I've not had this.
1: You know, speaking of that, uh, even though it's not on our agenda since we've spoken about two sandwiches so far, uh, one of the things, and I don't know the name of the place, is a place in Salem that has great hot dogs. And even though Marjorie and I discussed the other day that every single hot dog you eat, according to the University of Michigan, takes 36 minutes off your lifespan, which means I've lost years. <laughs> why is it, I know you you live in a couple of cities, but you've spent a significant part of your life in Boston. I read two reviews this weekend, I don't know why I was into it, about where the best hot dogs are in America. Neither of them, and by the way, Atlanta, where you spend some time, was one of them. Washington, where you spend some time, was one of the cities. Neither of them had Boston as a location for one of America's great hot dogs.
0: What what is my cynical media person's working theory about that? Yeah. Because whoever was writing that article hadn't been to Boston. That's
1: that's probably true. Jim. What?
2: what? Did you see New Fruit and Revere? Did you already say that? No, I did not. Yeah, several people have said New Fruit and Revere says that Italian beef sandwich. And, of course, it's available every place in Providence, which... Uh, can, used to when I lived there, be full. It was very Italian cities. So I don't know if it still is. I think no. Providence
0: would be a very likely territory to find yeah, that. Yeah. By
1: the way, a lot of texters order from Portillo's in Chicago for whatever that's worth. Number two, I got it wrong before when I said the culinary delight. Delights. This person, I don't know what his or her name is, said uh, in Natick, it's actually sold at Spalia's. I think it's, or Spala's, Italian beef, and is co-located with Culinary Delights, whatever it is. They're an amazing family. Son is one of my best friends. I grew up eating that legendary beef. They were ahead of the game. We need to keep hyping Italian beef so they come Back. Well, I don't know if they're there or not or whatever. Did you
2: mention the Scotty Dog car hop in Beverly? Let's
0: keep it gone here. I yeah. mean,
2: apparently got a lot of Italian
0: beef. I just think this around. is a rebranding opportunities for plenty of Italian area, uh, of a uh, Boston area, Italian-themed restaurants that have all the ingredients and can just start making them today.
1: We're talking to Corby or our food person.
2: Uh, so where are we going after this? I think we're, we're going, going to Trader, to Trader Joe's. Joe's. Yeah, we Trader are. Joe's. Uh, second, Trader Joe's has just unionized. There was one in Massachusetts. I forget what city it was I think in it's in Hadley,
1: our staff told us, or something. I'm not sure yeah. if it's Hadley or South Hadley uh, or whatever. Um, yeah. and,
2: and they're talking in this Vox piece that it, this could be uh, what's happening with Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks and Trader Joe's were two places where people years ago, when they first went to work there, talked about how great it was, what a great place it was to work at. But now, apparently, they're not uh, as happy as they were before because they are unionizing
0: so there's two things that are happening here Uh, i think that there it's no accident that places and businesses that made part of their brand identity treating their workers well and enjoying their workers are the ones who are being targeted because these workers got used to be treating, to being treated much better than others yeah uh, which is important and another is that so many places meaning employers have been much more lax and financially strapped because of the pandemic and treating their employees worse but and also unions are more fashionable they are they've come back into popularity and workers consciousness in a way they haven't in decades and jim would know the whole history of unions and unionization. I think that Trader Joe's is an important bellwether for the future. And I'm proud of Massachusetts for being the first one of, is it one of two states? Or yeah, one of two, one of two. Trader, so one of two states to unionize because workers realize that, okay, they lost some of the benefits that were already a lot better than their colleagues at other businesses were getting, but they have to fight to get them back and they have to organize to get them back. And that's, what's behind these pushes. Um, and it's much harder, apparently, because Trader Joe's has much larger staffs, often 80 per location, whereas uh, Starbucks has 20 to 25 per location. It's easier to get a cent and buy-in to vote on a union in a Starbucks location than it is in a Trader Joe's. So it'll be more of an uphill struggle to get more unionization. But I'm really interested to see this how how this plays out in other large food retailers Yeah, you know, this
1: story mentioned and i'm embarrassed to say, i was unaware of this that there are more than 200 starbucks that have unionized around the country have been so focused on what's going on locally here and apparently which is really good news is the organizing at starbucks in particular because the trader joe's thing is relatively modest so far has gotten so much publicity that apparently it has elevated the percentage of americans in general who say they would support a union if it were to be formed. Of course, they could help form it at their workplace, which is really like a groundbreaking thing. And again, the
0: the liberal employee policies of Starbucks and Trader Joe's help build this uh, um, publicity platform in order for the workers to say, we need better. It was good, but it's not so good now, Mm. and we need better. 215 locations. We were just talking about Buffalo yeah, a couple and, of locations, it seems like, two months ago.
1: And Newton and fall. a few places you know, here, yeah.
0: You know what, what What? always struck me funny about the
2: Starbucks story is the, the guy that runs Starbucks, Howard Schultz, Schultz, Schultz. Is it? Yeah. Was viewed as such a heroic guy. And now he's a heroic
0: guy.
1: Yeah, well, now he came back to screw the workers. That's why he's returning Star- <laughs> to Starbucks. I don't, don't Starbucks. think
0: that was his aim when he came back. Um, and I don't think that he means to screw the workers. He's the one who put in college education opportunities for for workers. He started with access to health insurance for part-time workers long before anybody calls it the gig economy. Um, but companies don't like unionization. Yeah, I know that, but let me just Ain't say
1: the one, the, the one, I don't know, obviously you know everything a lot about him. I know very little except on the surface. I do know that he was a meeting. He met face-to-face with workers at one of his Starbucks, I think, in California that were organizing. And when one of the workers there, I don't remember his exact words, raised concerns about uh, the workplace, and it was mostly about decision-making rather than wages and benefits, you know Howard Schultz's answer to him, which was the classic BS argument from an employer, if you don't like it, why don't you get a job somewhere else? Now, that is really... <laughs> a non-constructive response to a worker who would like a little more voice at his workplace. In any case, we'll continue this next time. I
0: hope he got extensive media training after that. I hope so. Before you go,
1: we're going to discuss one of the topics that has plagued me my whole— well, plagued America hasn't plagued me so much my whole life, which is the five-second rule. And we thought, (laughs) since you were a food guy— We'd get your uh, expert take as opposed to my inexpert take. Are you for or against the five-second rule and why, Corby Comer?
0: I'm for it because I'm clumsy, and if I'm not dropping things on my shirt or pants, I'm dropping it on the floor, and I don't like to waste food. I'm so proud
1: of you. Good man. I am so proud of you. I never thought— You'd take that realistic working man and woman's yep. position. And you did. It was beautiful. Well, it's not like, as good as
2: you. Jim, of course, is for the minute and a half rule. But I think it's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> it's
0: and work. yet, I was incredibly disappointed to find that, that it's really dangerous. The wetter the food, the fast, oh, yes, spread, that, more instantaneous, yeah. the transfer. Of well, hormones. let me
1: just say, the only time I had given pause, when I used to eat a lot of bologna, which is really good for you, when I drop an individual slice of bologna and fall flat on the ground. Yeah. And it's, you say right. to yourself, a great surface. even I thought twice before <laughs> I, I did eat it, but I thought twice before I ate it. I wanna be yeah, clear. Yeah, it's with a
0: pathogen it. magnet. Thank and it you. Turns out the, the nice, shiny tile or steel floors are much more efficient at transmitting these bacteria faster than a carpet, which I generally think oh. of as you know, weird and moldy and awful. But that at least absorbs some of the liquid. So the wetter the food, the more instantaneous the transfer. And sadly, you should throw it out. Um, but you know, even one of the researchers admitted to eating a couple of dry cashews off Why not? There you go. By the way, we're going
1: to reason we're asking, and we're going to ask uh, Louis Black in a few minutes. Is we're going to uh, discuss it with our listeners at Absolutely. the end of the show. Absolutely, Corby. It's great it's to a see very you. Very important you. story,
2: and we're going to get to the bottom of it.
1: I hope Marjorie's not mocking this topic. That's I'm not. I
2: I'm not mocking. I'm okay, all. I'm all for it, Jim. I know these See food matters very important to you and to Corby Cummer. Thank you very much, Corby Cummer. We have been speaking with Corby Cummer, the executive director of the Food and Society Policy Program at the Aspen Institute, a senior editor at The Atlantic, and a senior lecturer at the Tufts Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy. Coming up, the Revs are with us: Reverend Diane Monroe and Emmett Price on the moral dilemmas of the day for another edition of All Revved Up. you You're listening to Boston Public Radio. GBH.